the lion, the king of the jungle, was once very mad and furious at his subjects, the other animals in the jungle. The animals all gathered together at an emergency meeting to discuss what to do about the fact that their king is really angry at them. And different ideas were going back and forth. In the middle of the discussion, the shrewd fox bangs on the table and says, I have an idea. I know 300 jokes. So we will all go to the king and I will tell him my 300 jokes. That will put him in a good mood. He'll laugh, he'll be distracted, and that will calm him down and he'll forget why he was angry at you. So all the animals thought, wow, this is a great idea. So they all gathered together thousands of animals, all following the fox as they traveled through the jungle to go closer and to approach the king. About a third of the way through, the fox calls out with a shout, Oh my, I forgot a hundred of my jokes. Quickly the word spread throughout all the animals that the fox forgot a hundred of his jokes. And panic started to set in. So the bear stood up and said, It's okay, don't worry. The fox still knows another 200 jokes of which he'll be able to calm the king down. Let's continue on the journey. And all the animals agreed and they continued on the journey. About two-thirds of the way through their journey, the fox shouts out again, Oh no! I forgot another hundred of my jokes. And quickly hysteria broke out amongst all the animals. What could we do? The fox, now he forgot 200 of his jokes. So the giraffe says, oh, but it's okay because the fox still remembers 100 jokes and surely that should be enough. So all the animals calmed down and they gathered together and they continued on the final leg of their journey. As they got close to the lair where the lion was and they started to approach it, the fox puts his hands on his head and says, oh my, I forgot the last hundred jokes as well. At this point, absolute bedlam and terror struck the hearts of all the animals gathered and they start to scream at the fox and say, you're a liar. You tricked us. You made us believe that you have 300 jokes when you forgot all 300. What are we to do now? The king, the lion, is furious and raving mad at us. How are we going to calm him down? The fox turns to the animals and says, I never had any jokes, but I know that when the king is angry at you, you need to get in front of him and reestablish your relationship face to face. But I need to think of a way to get you to come. So I told you I have 300 jokes. But now you cannot rely on me. Now you have to go in on your own merit. 
face the king, the lion, face to face and reestablish your relationship. Says the Baal Shem Tev, the time of year we're in now with the Yom Naraim, Rosh Hashanah, Aser Tshuva, and Yom Kippur. There are many things that we do and we look forward to to help us, put us in a spirit of growth, in the spirit of the time that we're in. We dive in more. We hire special chazanim to sing beautiful tefillahs. We sing special songs and nigunim which uplift us. We listen to many inspiring drushes and speeches. We do many things to put us in the mode. But those are only there to help us get to the actual core purpose and point, which is that we as people need to come in front of Hashem and reestablish our personal, intimate relationship with Him without any help, without any external tools, which are only there to help us get in the mode. So one of those tools which are regularly used is the famous tshuva drashas that we all listen to especially when we were in yeshiva, in, in schools, in, the, in our shuls, our rabbonim, give the shuva drushes to inspire us to change and to inspire us to mend our ways. And for many people, the word tshuva creates an inner shutdown. Something inside of us closes, like a wall goes up when the word tshuva is expressed. For many of us, the word tshuva is translated as repentance and it has an association of guilt and negativity. However, the actual word tshuva means to return, to go back to our original purity, to go back to our inner innate sense of worthiness, to our inner beauty, to actualize our potential that's waiting to be expressed. So people relate to the word shuva because many times it's used in a way to put us down, to knock us, and to focus on all the things that we're not doing right. And after hearing this for a while, we just have this voice, this narrative that we're not enough and we're not doing good enough. So we just tune out and we shut down when we hear the word shuva. There's another reason, perhaps, why the word shuva creates a distance for a lot of people. And this is especially true given our experiences when we were younger. We hear a drasha, we hear a musr shmuz, and we have to do tshuva, and we're inspired. 
We want to change. We want to grow. So what happens is we rev up our engine. We crank up our willingness to become different. And many times that could last a day, a week, a month, but eventually it peters out. It's almost like a wind-up toy. The more I'll crank it up and the more I'll wind it up, the further it will go. But eventually it runs out of steam. And when we do that year in, year out, year in, year out, what happens is we give up and we tune out. Because why should I even invest all this time and energy and effort into a futile effort? It's not going to last. So we're looking for inspiration. We're looking to be elevated. But the idea of tshuva, the idea of personal growth, of refinement, of transcendence, of tapping into my inner reserves of beauty, of potential, and to return to my value of who I am really meant to be and my purpose here is something that's very difficult for many of us. In Parshas Bereshis, the Torah gives us a blueprint a hint into the secret of how to go about growth, how to go about personal change. The, the Torah tells us that after Adam Harishan ate from the Eitz Hadas, the Pasuk says, Behold, man has become like one of us. He now has choice and he now has the wisdom to know the difference between good and bad. And now, perhaps he will send out his hand and he will eat from the Eitzachayim. He will eat it and he will live forever. So the Torah says, uses the word Ve'atah with an ayin, which means, and now. There is a thought-provoking Medrash Rabbah that's brought down on that Pasuk. And the Medrash Rabbah says, brings down from Abba Bar Kahana, and he says something fascinating. Abba Bar Kahana says, that at this moment, when Adam Harishain ate from the Eitz Hadas, Hashem opened up for him the door of tshuva. How do, does he know that, says the Medrash Rabbah? Because if we look in Sefer Dvarim, at the end of the Torah, in Parshas Ekev, the Pasuk says, Ve'ato Yisrael, Yaakov Vino was talking to Klal Yisrael, and he was saying, Ve'ato Yisrael, and now Yisrael, what is Hashem asking from you? The Pasuk is talking about serving him, following him, and doing tshuva. 
And over there, the Pasuk says, Ve'ata with an ayin, which means, and now. So whenever there is a Lashen of Ve'ata of and now, Ve'ain says the Medish Rabbah, that the Lashen of Ve'ata is a Lashen of Tshuva. Which is a fascinating idea. Why is the word viata, which means and now, a lushen of tshuva? So I want to ask a very strange question. How much of you is here right now? Now that sounds like a strange question. What do you mean? My body's here right now. I'm, I'm here right now. I'm not missing a limb that's somewhere else. True. Your body's fully here right now. But how much of your mental capacity, how much of your thought, how much of your awareness is here right now? If we take a moment to reflect on what typically goes on in our minds, it probably resembles Grand Central Station. Imagine you're standing in the middle of Grand Central Station, smack in the middle of the day. At any given moment, there are multiple trains screeching into the station that just arrived to deposit a bunch of passengers. At the same time, there are multiple trains leaving the station. And people are running back and forth with announcements. The place is busy with noise, distractions, coming in all different directions. And imagine you are just observing all that's going on. That's exactly how our brains look on a regular basis. There are thoughts that are coming and going with noise, multiple thoughts and multiple trains of thoughts. We call it trains of thought. It could give anybody a headache just to try to keep track of everything that goes on in our brains at any given moment. We are either busy thinking about the past or the future or just all kinds of noise. So this Pasuk is telling us there's a special key called Ve'ata, and now. The key to change is to fully take up residency in the now. We're Am I right now? Not just physically, but mentally. Where are my thoughts right now? Where is my focus right now? If I want to change, if I want to begin the process of growth, the process of healing and change from negative self-destructive behaviors, the process of tapping into my tremendous potential and actualizing it and making the world a better place, 
where do I, where do I start? I start from ve'ata, from now. But in order to do that, I need to be here. I need to fully be here now. The whole purpose of man is to change, is to grow, is to start where I am raw material, I am potentiality, and I embark on a lifelong journey and a lifelong mission of incremental and constant change. But here is what happens. Many people get stuck thinking about the past. We're thinking about what happened yesterday, what happened last year, the email I just had, the difficult conversation I just had, something that didn't go right at work, something that went difficult with my child's yeshiva or school, and we could ruminate and regurgitate negative or difficult things from the past, and we get lost in that. When that happens, the past happened. The past really did happen. But there's nothing I can do at this moment that will change the past. While the past is real, it's not reality right now. Additionally, there are other trains of thought, which is the future. What's going to be? Planning, scheming, fantasizing, getting lost in, in all kinds of ideas about the future, how I want things to be, how I want things to work out, what I'm going to do, what I'm not going to do. And what happens is we are in the future which does not exist yet. So when my mind and my awareness and focus is in the past and in the future, and this could happen at the same time because our thoughts are like a train station coming and going in different directions. And then on top of everything else, we have incredible amount of noise going on in our minds at any given time. Images, sounds, noises, thoughts, ideas that just keep on popping up. It, is, it could give us a headache if we are aware, with full awareness, of all that goes on in our minds at any given moment. But what happens is that I am everywhere but here. I am everywhere but the present. And if I am everywhere but the present, then I could never embark on a lifelong journey of change and growth. Because the only thing that is real in my life is this moment right here in front of me. It's the only thing I could make a change about. It's the only thing I could make an impact on. This is my playing field. My playing field of where I get to have an effect upon is this very moment right here, right now. And again, not the past. No amount of thinking, no amount of, of mental power and energy will change the past. The future, there are so many things that 
are out of our control that we don't know about. So many circumstances, so many factors, so many things that can still happen. The future is not here yet. The only thing that's real is this very moment. Yet, most of us are barely here. What we tend to do is we only focus enough of our mental thoughts and awareness on the present moment, just enough to get by, just mi- enough to get to be, to be functioning on a minimal level. But the rest of us is lost in thought. There's a tendency of people to always be going on to the next thing. There's a famous line that says, life is not a destination, it's a journey. But do we appreciate each moment of this journey as opposed to, okay, so what's next? So what's next? I got here, now I need to do the next thing. I once had a chavrusa, we were learning, and we were learning a kasha. And right away I asked him, so, so like, what's the tarot? What's the answer? And he told me, relax. Let's first appreciate the kasha. Let us stay in the question a little bit so we can, we can savor it. We can appreciate it. Instead of running, what's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing? And today, more than ever, we live in a very frenetic, fast-paced environment that constantly pushes us. The tempo of life is so fast and quick. It's very difficult to slow things down, to be fully present in this very moment that is actually happening. We're busy catching up on the moments that we didn't have enough time to think about, worrying and planning about the moments that didn't happen yet. But the biggest, the biggest one that loses out is the present. Says the Medrash Rabbah, where do we make change? Where is the playing field that we can actually affect real change? That's in the Va'ata. Va'ata right now. Now here's the funny thing. It's always now. It's always here and now. It's always the present moment. At any moment that I become aware that I've been lost in thought, that I've gotten distracted, whether I got distracted for 10 minutes, for 10 hours, for 10 days, or for 10 years, this moment that I wake up and I have the awareness that I've been lost in thought, I can capture and own this moment and make a difference in this moment. The next moment is a new opportunity. The next moment is another opportunity. Every moment, this is the beginning of the rest of my life. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. Right here. Oh, but I'm going to get distracted again. I'm going to get lost. That's fine. The moment I wake up from that fog, I'll have a new moment and a new moment, and a new moment. And when we string together enough of these moments, they start to make a tangible difference. 
We're all looking for inspiration. We're all looking to be uplifted with a positive change and positive messages. So we look all over. We look here. We look there. We look for other people. We buy books. We listen to shiurim. And all these things are wonderful. But it's like someone who sleeps with a fan at night. In the middle of the night, imagine you sleep with a fan and you wake up in the middle of the night only to find that the plug had fallen out. You're too tired to get out of bed. You certainly don't want to put on the light to see. So you grab hold of the plug and you start trying to find the outlet. And you bang it into the wall here and you bang it into the wall there and you bang it into the wall there and you can't find the plug. And finally, you find the plug and you plug it in and now the fan comes to life and it's working beautifully. That's exactly what happens. We are looking all over for inspiration. We're looking all over for that magic pill to change. And we're banging here and banging there, trying to find the outlet. But here's the secret. The outlet is right here, right now. It's not in the future. It's not, I'm going to change when. When this happens, then I'll do. It's at this very moment. This week's Parsha. Parsha's Nitzavid. The Parsha right before Rosh Hashanah says famous pasuk it's not in the heavens the pasuk before it's not far away it is exceedingly close do you know how close it's right here do you know when it is right now I'm sitting in the moment. I am sitting and fully taking up residency in the place where change happens. I need to be fully present. I need to be fully aware of this moment. But here is this thing. It, everything I'm saying sounds... Very simplistic. Very elementary. But the hardest place in the world to be is right here. Right now. Try to sit quiet. And we start to get irritated, agitated, antsy, fidgety. Being present, fully present, is an extremely difficult thing to do. But it's critical because that's where life takes place. Where does life happen? Where? It happens right now. Right here. Not in the future. Not in the past. It's right here. We can own our lives if we own our present moment. So let's get practical. Practically speaking, what could we do to become familiar with the present moment 
and to take up full residency in the here and now. So I'd like to recommend four action items from easiest to hardest. The first thing is, how much of you is here right now? So I have over here an outline of a human being. Physically, I'm always here. But color in how much of this silhouette and this outline are you presently taking up? Are you here 10%, 25%, 50%? At any given time throughout the day, pause and say, how much of me is here right now? It's a very profound question. And you might be surprised by what that triggers in you. The second thing is, throughout the day, a few times a day, just pause. Press pause on your day. Stop. Just stop. Stop running. Stop and pause. Slow down. A great time to do that is right before Shemarna Esrei, the three chakras, Mincha Mayriv. Another great time to do that is during is if you eat three meals a day before you start to eat. It could be when you sit down in your car, when you open your computer to work. Pause throughout the day. You could even put on an alarm clock throughout the day to remind yourself to pause and ask yourself, where am I? Am I here? Fully here? Another practical thing which might be very challenging, there's a myth in this world called multitasking. There's a lot written about multitasking and there are many studies that show that there's no such thing as multitasking because it's impossible to do multiple things at one time. And it's, it, really what we're doing is we're taking our attention and we're dicing it up into tiny pieces and it's fragmented. And we're trying to spread them out in many places all at the same time and it doesn't really work. So here's the third challenge. When you're doing something, don't do anything else. For example, I try this many times. When I'm on the phone, I try not to do anything else. That includes not checking emails, not going on my computer for other things. If I am talking to somebody, can I fully give my full attention and awareness to this conversation? When I'm talking to my wife or someone else, can I put down my phone or put down the book or whatever else that I'm doing and fully face the person and being fully there? 
very difficult, very simple, but not easy. And here's the, the fourth challenge, which is exceedingly difficult. It's called meditation. Meditation is a practice. It's not something that I see a result doing it one time. It's not something I see results if I do it erratically. But like everything else that's practice, the more I practice, the more of a positive effect it has. So what is meditation? And I want to read to you from Rabbi Ari Kaplan. He wrote a book in English called Jewish Meditation. And I just want to read to you a little part of that book where he talks about what is meditation. And it goes into exactly what we're discussing today. In its most general sense, meditation consists of thinking in a controlled manner. It is deciding exactly how one wishes to direct the mind for a period of time and then doing it. In theory, this may sound very easy, but in practice it is not. The human mind is not a domesticated animal, but rather seems to have a mind of its own beyond the will of the thinker. Anyone who has ever tried to concentrate on a subject only to have his mind drift to other thoughts is aware of this. Sometimes it seems that the more one tries to control one's thoughts, the more they refuse to be controlled. It is strange that most people have never given a thought to their thoughts. Thoughts are so much part of our being that we take them for granted. One of the first steps in meditation is learning how not to take our thoughts for granted. A simple exercise will demonstrate how difficult it is to control your thoughts. While this may sound ridiculously simple, in practice, it is tantalizingly difficult. So before we enter into Shoshana, Aserasimei and Yom Kippur, and we embark on this process, this lifelong process called change, personal growth, healing, recovery, actualizing and tapping into our incredible, vast potential to make a positive effect. And we don't know where to begin. And we don't know where is that secret door that I can make a lasting change? Ve'ata, ein ata elachuva. The place is here, and the time is now. <laughs> 